gentlemen, welcome to the Fighting Code. Welcome to episode thirty-one point five. You're talking to Arjun. Exactly. You're talking. My waistline. <laughs> it's not a joke, man. But you're talking to Arjun Chipperkati, aka Mystic Chips, along with my partner, who just heard bragging about his waistline, is Somesh, the superhuman camera. We were in conversation with the one and only OG of MMA Strike Force champion Bobby Southworth. We're going to go to a quick commercial break. We'll be right back with more and with Bobby. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Fighting Goat. We're going to move on to Strike Force now because that is a huge part of your life, and so much has been yes. wanting to talk to you about that for the longest time. So, buddy, you got to take <laughs> it away. <laughs> well, you know, uh, as I said, that as uh, one of the youngest. I, I mean, I wouldn't say the youngest fighter, but a young fighter coming in, and you get a phone call that says, "Listen, you know, uh, Bobby, there is a vacant title on the line for the Strikeforce Light Heavyweight Championship. Would you like to compete?" What really happened in that moment? You know, so was it the manager that broke the news to you? Did you get the call directly? How did this work out? And what was it really holding that belt? And I believe you were the only <laughs> one. Who defended that belt once, which is still a record? Exactly. True. True. This is true. So I don't really know how that came about. Um, I had had one fight in Strike Force, which technically I won, even though it was ruled a no contest. That was yes. the one where the cage door opened up. I, it was with but James Irvin. I remember it was James yes. Irvin. Yeah. But at, you know, I guess at that time the light heavyweight division wasn't super deep. You know, um, but they wanted a light heavyweight champion, and so they. The you know I had a name still from the ultimate from tough and right you know I still I I won't say I was high profile I mean when you say you're high profile right in 2021 it's a lot different than saying you were high sure. profile in 2005 or 2006 you're but, right you know I still had a, I still had a pretty high profile in the fight game and so it was a good name and Strike Force you know even though they were a big promotion actually when I fought for the title they had already set the record for the biggest live gate in North America. You know, they had surpassed the UFC when Frank Shamrock fought Caesar Gracie. Yeah. Wow. They did. It was like 17,000. It was the biggest live gate ever. Wow. 17,000 so yeah. people. Wow, so Strike Force case, I think it's called the SAP Center. And I don't remember what it's called, the, the arena in San Jose. I've been gone. I live in Texas now. So I've been gone from the Bay Area for about 11 years now. Right. But yeah, they, they sold, they packed that place. It's still one of the biggest live events I think they've ever, live sporting events they've ever had at that arena. Um, wow. So, you know, Strike Force was doing, they came out of the gate. I don't think they were trying to compete with the UFC like so many, so many promotions that tried to do that and failed. They were just trying to do their own thing and they were very successful at it. And obviously Scott Coker took that over to Bellator. But um, so I, after that fight, I fought James Irving. And they were looking, they wanted to have a light heavyweight champion, right? They had Frank as the middleweight champion. They wanted a light heavyweight champion. Right. Yeah. I was one of the, I was one of the names that they had signed. And so they gave me the call. And I mean, again, going back to the stepping up thing, it was who doesn't want to fight for a world champion. I mean, when I sure. got into the sport, I never, when I got into to doing it, I, we kind of skipped over this in the past, like, when I was talking about seeing the boxers and you see the repercussions and getting started late in the fight game, I always knew that one, since it was MMA and nobody knew where the sport was going, that I probably wasn't going to be rich. 
Right. You know, and really all I ever wanted to do was teach jujitsu and be a coach. And so the reason I started fighting was because I wasn't a Gracie or a Brazilian. I wasn't a black belt. And I had to do something to show people that I had legitimate skills and knowledge to, to pass on. And that's really what led me into the fight game. So once I decided to go into the fight game, I wanted to be a world champion. You know what I mean? Honestly, I wanted to be a kickboxing world champion, a boxing world champion, and an MMA (laughs) world champion. I wanted to be all those things, but I mean, that would have been, it was difficult, you know? I mean, fighting for me was never like easy. It was very stressful, you know? Like you were talking earlier about the fear factors and stuff like that. It's like everybody, everybody feels those nerves. And and it's it's not even about that you're scared to fight or that you're scared of of your opponent. I mean, maybe for some it is, but- there are so many different types of anxiety, right? You're right. performing. Am I going to perform? Am I in shape? Um, and you know what I mean? There's so many yeah. things that can yeah. go through your head. So the mental aspect of fighting is really the biggest aspect, right? Because if you, if you show up and you train and you have good people around you and good coaches, everything else is going to fall into place. You're going to have a high True. level of skill. You're going to have a high level of conditioning, right? You're going to be ready to fight. And so everything else is just mental. And I, that was probably where I had you know, my biggest issues probably because my parents were pacifists, you know what I mean? And (laughs) here I am fighting in the cage. So (laughs) when I got the call to be the light heavyweight for the light heavyweight fight, you know, I wanted to know who my opponent was. And they told me when it was going to be Vernon White, you know, honestly, that was a little bit daunting because a lot of people don't know him. But when I fought Vern, I think he had like 70 plus fights. And Vernon is a legend, man. He's a a legend. A, a lot veteran. of people, a lot of people don't know him. You know, you know how it is with sports. It's like I'm sure a lot of football fans don't even know who Joe Namath is. You know what I mean? It's like yeah, yeah. So it's people people forget. But Vernon was a solid fighter. He hadn't been super active, but he was legitimate. He was a UFC veteran. He fought Chuck Liddell. He fought Mario Sperry. He'd fought in the He's bare fought knuckle. Everywhere. Yeah, he fought in the Valley Two, though bare knuckle fights in tournaments in Brazil that were like right. eight, 16 man, eight man tournaments, you know, three, four fights in a night. He fought K1 kickboxing. I mean, he was an experienced guy. So, you know, I knew that I had my work cut out for me. And it was, you know, it was an honor to fight him. You know, it was an yeah, even That was big, a tough a, fight. A, I saw that fight again. And it was, it was tough. You used uh, your grappling effectively. In, it was. Uh, and uh, and Vernon was in the. He was tough to finish. And like, like yeah. I said, he fought Mario Sperry and Mario Sperry wasn't able to submit him. So, you know, I was very happy with my performance. You know, no, you should be, man. You, I mean, you won the yeah. belt and um, you, you reached where you had to go. You wanted to yeah. be a world champion and you achieved that goal. And that was a big deal. But, <laughs> you know, the thing is that I think it was your second defense, which was against uh, Babalu. Sobral, yes. Renato Sobral. Yes. Uh, no, hang on. This is going to be fun because I remember he cut you and then you almost knocked him out a second yeah, before yeah. The, the bell. Yep. And, and I wasn't <laughs> going to knock him out in the second round. And, I was going to knock him out. And then how pissed off were you round. that the fight was stopped because of that was stupid in, cut? Incredibly, I was incredibly pissed off because, you know, I had, I thought, again, I thought it was political, similar to the situation with Stefan Bonner in the tough fight. You know, I had been criticized for my fighting style, right? It's like, mm-hmm. it takes two people to make a fight, okay? And sure. so when I fought for the title against Vernon, Vernon is known for making fights ugly and very mm-hmm. tough. He's a tough guy to finish, but he also doesn't take a lot of risks or try to finish you. And I knew that going into the fight. And so I, I knew that there was a that the fight was going to go the distance. It wasn't that right. I wasn't trying to finish. I mean, I landed punches. I landed a head kick. I went for submissions. I was trying to finish the fight. 
but I didn't. And the same thing in my first title defense against Anthony Ruiz, another guy who's known for the yeah. same thing. I mean, this guy's fought from middleweight to heavyweight. He knocked out Brad Imes, one of the, the other yes, tough I finalists. Remember. He knocked right. out Jimmy the Titan Ambrose, who's a pride veteran. He's a dangerous guy, but was also known for making fights ugly and was tough to finish. And so I was criticized a lot for not finishing the fights. And secondly, like in Strike Force, they wanted you and really pushed you to sell tickets. And okay. right. that really wasn't, you know what I mean? It's like, dude, I'm the champ. I'm a fighter. You're the promoter. You guys should be selling tickets. I need to be training and focusing on my fight. I don't need to be out going around town. Oh, buy tickets for me. Buy tickets wow, for me. Wow, that's interesting. You know what I mean? It's just. I didn't know that. Mm. Yeah, it, it was just. And so I always was butting heads with management. And so because of the public perception of the fights and my, un, it wasn't that I was unwilling to sell tickets. But like I brought Luke Rockhold. I went to high him and him and Luke's older brother and me went to high school together and were friends. And I brought Luke Rockhold to AKA. Right. So wow. when Luke started fighting, when Luke started fighting in strike force, I was asking them to not put him on the same cards as me because we're from the same hometown. And that's where I was selling my tickets. So right. it was like me and Luke selling tickets in Santa Cruz. It was going to hurt my ticket sales. So that was just another another it was just another issue you know what i mean so and you feel you feel all these things kind of up played a factor you know in the start of that second round where definitely the, you know where the, the the doctor just stopped the fight i mean you've seen worse cuts i've seen worse have, cuts I, I in mma worse since cuts, then yeah. in fights in the ufc in bellator yeah. and fights were allowed to go on yeah. and so you know mm. it's it is again it is what it is I know yeah. that I was going to come out and finish Babalu in that round. And the, the really yeah, thing he was that hurt still. Yeah, he was hurt. Dana called me before that fight and wished me the best. And I was guaranteed a UFC contract if I had won that fight. So that's oh, what, you God. know, even, even though, that's even, crazy. Though I was, that's yeah, crazy. even though I was 38, you know, I think I was 38, almost 39 at the time. It would have been nice Jesus. to finish my career in the UFC. And, but, and then also Babalu in the ring promised me a rematch and, the strike for Scott Coker promised me a rematch because that was, right. you know, that was a bullshit stoppage. At least the guy should have, I could see the cut wasn't even that bad is what happened is I misjudged. I was running in to do like a dive bomb punch on him. Right. And I misjudged and we hit our heads and I could feel the cut yeah, it was a head tore yeah. open. It tore open that. even more. And so, Jesus. you know, I, I guess that falls on me. You know what I mean? But to be promised by the strike force chief, and to be promised by the guy that took my title for a rematch and then it never came. That's just, you know, just another slap in the face, but you know, I still have my two title belts in my, in my <laughs> yeah, room. Come on. And, you're still, you, you, you're still, you know, you're still the inaugural champ. You still are the only, I try to be, a, I try to be a glass half full kind of person, you know, <laughs> yeah, if I can, yeah, yeah, you're still, the, you're still the only, at least one when I'm not locked belt. up for 10 weeks on a reality show. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> no, we're still, man, you're the, you're, you're the strike force, you know, you're a champion and the only one defended it. So, you well, know, hats off to that. Nobody can thank take you. that away. Thank you. Abs- absolutely. And you know what? We've been speaking of fights off late. We've been speaking of fights, which are outside the octagon. We've been speaking of a lot of fights, <laughs> but there is one fight that everybody remembers is the one that you had with Javier Mendes because of which you quit AKA. Yes. And, and then you I didn't kind quit. of I didn't quit AKA. He kicked me out. 
Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Okay. Really? You know, you know. So he kicked yeah. you out, and then I think you took a hiatus from the sport. It was almost like you kind of semi-retired, and then you mended the fence with Javier, and you came back to AK, and you revived your career, or you took off from where you left. So yeah. So I came not, back. It was not two too weeks. Much. Two weeks before they started filming the Ultimate Fighter is when I came back to AKA after having wow hiatus for almost a year. So if you watch that and you see all the weight cutting and the weight issues that I had, yeah, it was because I pretty much had been retired from the sport, you know, and I came oh. back and I heard about the reality show and wow. I was asking I think, they, I think you know, it. it's been so many years they need to re-air the season one again because fans, it's, today's it's on, fans it's on not ESPN Plus. It's on ESPN Plus. So if you oh, have really? ESPN Plus, you can watch, you can stream all the seasons of Ultimate Fighter. Well, that's crazy. Wow. Well, that's crazy. Yeah, you that's know what? In fact, you know, in fact, my question was, uh, Bobby, what exactly happened between Javier and you? How much can you disclose of what happened that he had to kick you out of AKA? I mean, like anything, it was kind of a money issue. That's really all I want to say because okay. Okay. Whatever it was, Javier and I mended that. And in my opinion, we went on to do great things, you know, and right. he, was a, he was a mentor to me. He was a big factor in my career. You know what I mean? Without Javier and without, you know, and I, I was a big part of building AKA and just like in the UFC, even though I'm guys don't remember me, like my picture is still up on the wall, you know, at AKA on the, the wall of world champions. Who doesn't Javier remember you? I, you know, I mean, I'm talking about the new guys, <laughs> the new guys that come into the sport. There are young fighters. Like when I, I was back there a couple months ago in training and right. you introduced me to the gym and I know guys see my picture on the wall, but they don't remember and they, they'll recognize me, but they don't remember, you know, and they really? don't know the history. They don't know the history behind AKA. They don't know that. Right. Founding members in a defense of, of a lot of fans. Now I think, you know, a lot of fans don't remember the history of the sport. I, I knew True. some, I met somebody who didn't know who Krokop was. I was like, go f- die. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so you, start, you don't know who Rook Up is? Come on. But you also have to remember, and you guys remember this, is I tried to explain to people when we were filming Tough, there was a, a weekend where T- there was an episode where Tito came over and we actually got to watch UFC 37.5. Okay, so the UFC 1 was in 1993. Right. In mid-2005, yes. they were on UFC 37.5. Okay, by right, 12 years later, what is that? Yeah, 12 years later, they had only done 36 more shows from the first one. Right, I think management changed though. It was under Art Davies back in 2003, if I remember correctly. Uh, no, they took the the, the I think they bought it in 2001. Oh, I think it was Art in 2001, and then uh, no, so uh, UFC took over. UFC might have been before that, it might have been before that because I think that. When Frank Shamrock won his original titles, yeah, that that um they were already owned by Zufa, right? They remember okay. back when they had like Gordon Biersch, and they it was it was again it was a different era, right? But yeah. By 2010, they were on like UFC 100 something, right? So in right. Yeah. five years, they did 70 shows, and then now they're on from 100 and something. They're already on UFC 266, and that's pay per views. That's right. not including UFC on Fox, um, UFC e- Fight Night on ESPN and all, these other, and, and, and all these other things. So, I mean, and not just that, but what about Strike Force? What about Bellator? I mean, you can't turn on the television without seeing on almost any given night and not watch MMA. 
You can watch Contender Series on Tuesday. You can watch Tough again. You can watch Bellator. You can watch UFC. You can watch PFL. You can watch LFA. I mean, there are all these... You got, I mean, you got new companies in, like Brave and you've got Indian promotions EFC as well. in South Africa. And I don't, I mean, and one I FC in Asia. Even, what about India? I mean, what promotions can you but, got? You said you have a network and pay-per-views. The, the, and so there's crazy. no, the, India doesn't have a pay-per-view model because India doesn't function on a pay-per-view model. It's uh, it's far more lucrative to combine the sport with the channel to get higher numbers for advertising revenue. So, um, and you're lucky because you could, they couldn't do that. Remember? I mean, it took them, 36 pay-per-views before they could really get the UFC on TV or it took them 12 years. So you right. guys are lucky. In that sense, India was, uh, the UFC was smart and so was 1FC and Strikeforce uh, because they cut deals with the networks directly saying that, you know what, here's the X amount of money and we've got about six months of programming content and we're going to send it to you. And it also took a lot of years for India to develop its own content. So we do, Somesh and I are analysts on a show called The Ultimate Guide to the UFC. And we, we, we kind of open up every pay-per-view that airs in India. Uh, we open up the show for, from India. Okay. So, um, so that took so many years to happen, though. It took a lot of time for it to happen for people seven to realize. Years. Seven years for people to realize. And, we've been, and Somesh and I have been, have been part of the sport for the last 15 years. Yeah. In some capacity. Or the other. He's, he's India's first manager, uh, UFC manager that took the first Indian to fight in the UFC. And okay. I'm, I, I started off doing commentary from, from the okay. minor leagues to till today. So the, uh, so the introduction of the two hosts come towards the end of the show, yeah? <laughs> but now the show is not about us, man. It's, it's about Bobby. And this is, not the, this is not the last time we're going to talk to Bobby. We're Absolutely. Going to talk to Bobby Hopefully not. Again. In fact, you know, in you're in Indian MMA, I mean, because I'm trying to get into commentating or analysis. Mm-hmm. Is it all in... Punjabi is that the no no Hindi Hindi no I commentate in English. Well, if you guys ever need guest commentators or guest analysts, or absolutely, like that, yes, yes. Up, I'd be I'd be happy. You know, I yeah, mean, you I come gotta, to India anyway. I mean, you got to start somewhere. When Luke Rockhold <laughs> came to India, he had a great time. He got wasted, and uh, we, we went out <laughs> partying together. And he ended up. There's a picture of him choking me out at four in the morning. Uh, okay. and, and also a picture of Benji Radek slamming me across hotel room beds. Oh, nice. <laughs> well, yeah, that, yeah. well, that doesn't sound too tempting, but you know. <laughs> no, no, hang on. Anything is better. Anything is better than getting neck cranked at 3 a.m. from Holman. Dennis Holman oh, neck cranking oh, yes. you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And if that is not a better way to be inducted into the sport, because they all made fun of me first. So I'm, and after that, we were all bros. <laughs> <laughs> well, you yeah. know, speaking about bros, you know, there's a, there's a very interesting fact which I have for uh, Bobby. So, Bobby, you were a part of TUF1. But at the same time, five years later, you also went back for TUF 11. Yes. And uh, it was, it was in a light heavyweight category and there were, you know, there were openings uh, for, I believe the middleweight category and the light heavyweight category. And then they just scrapped the light heavyweight and they just kept the middleweights. Yes. So I actually didn't go back to do that, to try out for for that. We had like, I drove because I was a coach for AKA. Right. So I was one of the coaches. And so I drove like, I don't remember five or six of our fighters down there. Okay. And then while we were, while we were sitting there, there were other guys auditioning for the show that had already fought in the UFC, like Jason Lambert. I wow, think another I guy's Jason name was, Lambert, yeah. was Logan, Logan Clark. He was also a middleweight. I think his name was Logan Clark, Logan something. So okay. there were several other guys who already were UFC vets 
and all you had to do was grapple and hit submits. So I was like, you know, okay. I said, why not? Why not just try? If all these guys are doing it, why not? It wasn't like that wasn't my plan. Right. But, you know, the other the other fighters were like kind of pumping me up to do it, too. So I just went for it. And wow. Wow. You know, you know so in fact, my question was, <laughs> there must have been a major difference between the fighters in TUF1 and the fighters in TUF11. Was there any involvement? Did they feel more refined? Were there, you know, garage guys coming in? What was the difference in the attitude uh, from TUF1 to TUF11? I think it's a good the, one. The, the difference in attitude would, or, or skill or experience level like, wouldn't you be know, in the fighters. I think it would more be in the production crew, right? And in, in the in Really? Because tough, yes, because tough, like on tough one, they thought that we were just these thugs that got off the bar stools and just fought. Like when we got there, the only thing they food but they wasn't had it that? To, I thought know, it they was had that. Hot, they had hot pockets. <laughs> they had it's not that. But all they had for us was like hot pockets and ice cream and tons of alcohol. Like I literally had oh, to go to Honestly, that sounds good. Sorry, that yeah. sounds good. <laughs> to you guys, it sounded good. But so no, I, had to I know. Go to I'm Dana, kidding. I'm kidding. And we had to get them to get us to get us good food, like chicken yeah, breast, fish, steak, fruits, veggies, juicers, all kinds of all kinds of those things. And so right. it was a learning experience for them. And so in the subsequent seasons, like so it was a Dana White diet, basically. Say that again. <laughs> it was Dana a White diet. Yeah, the Dana White. Oh, no, He's pretty good. If you look at his Instagram thing, he has that shit. Yeah, I, I'm seeing the food all the time. So I'm, I'm seeing the food shows good. that he's done now. He's been doing these yeah. small uh, Instagram clips of the kind of food he's been eating. But man, you know, I, I don't, don't know what he's that. eating. I don't, I, don't I don't believe that. I don't know no what he's doing. Hang on. I don't know what no, no, he's, he's eating. He's like Brock Lesnar. Dude, exactly. He was standing next to Francis <laughs> Naganu. He looked bigger he's, than him. He's not that big. I just saw him up in Houston at the... The UFC where Michael Chandler fought Charles Oliveira. And, oh man, right. that was a fight. Right, really, you were there, right? Yeah, I saw yeah. it on the Instagram. Yeah, so much told me about that picture, and, and and I was like, damn, you know, Bobby next to Dana, and you know, but <laughs> hang on, Dana looked as big as Francis Naganu last time I saw him. It was Francis crazy. must have like been crouching down <laughs> because he's a big Dana's Dana. Or maybe Dana's to... cameraman knows what to do. He knows how to yes. use the right angle. A little, a little Photoshop or something. <laughs> they, I think they call that catfishing. That's what they call that. <laughs> oh, but you know, so, well, if you don't make me look good, you're fired. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Oh. But you know, it, you know. On that note, I just wanted to say this has been uh, one uh, a very very special episode, and we're gonna give you a call back for sure, Bobby. We're gonna probably bring back Frank Shamrock and and you know run auditions for Bollywood because I think that needs to happen. <laughs> I really think that needs to happen. Well, okay, I think that's a good idea. I think we can get we can get uh, Rampage Jackson here as well, and then you know it can just become one big party. <laughs> that would be a party. That would be a but, party. Well, with everything becoming virtual this was an absolute blast with none other than ufc strike force veteran bobby southworth bobby thank you so much for giving us your time sharing your knowledge and like any other person i'm absolutely absolutely flabbergasted to have a veteran like you Man. with us right here on the, the og fighting baby the og the og the og from tuf1 but having well, said that We'll take leave and we'll see you on the other side after this short break.
Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Fighting Goat. We are live. We were live with Bobby Southworth, which, ladies and gentlemen, is going to be a two-part special. So this week is going to be an OG special on the Man. Fighting Goat. We've talked a lot of it, Bobby. Bobby was was incredible to talk to. What an honest and even unbelievable fighter. You, you know that ethic that existed back then. The the things he did to promote the sport that a lot of people didn't know about, but I guarantee after you listen to the show, you're going to have a newfound respect for some people, for the man who started literally one of the biggest camps in the world. And you're, going to, and you're going to find out, we're not going to spoil it for you because you're going to have to listen to that episode. But we are now back to discuss with Mr. Kamra. Well, you know, actually, to be honest, oh, he, okay. you know, he is, he is the Steve Jobs of MMA because he kind of went there, started AKA, built AKA, then got kicked <laughs> out and then came back. <laughs> and then came back. That's true. Yeah. Correct. You know? I was going to say he was Steve Wozniak, but no, he was actually. <laughs> no, but he yeah, Steve. you know, such such an honor to speak to Bobby. Yeah, he was In amazing, fact, man. You know, he spoke so much and so well that we had to make this. It was an unplanned two-part series, and I cannot wait yes. for the second part to come out. It's but going to be both. I mean, the way he spoke also, Sumesh, man, the candidness, so much respect and crazy, you know, like, it's too good. Like I, and again, you know, these guys from the Just Bleed era who actually came up with nothing in their pockets, really yeah. worked their way up, you yeah. know, put literally put in the blood, sweat, tears into the sport, built it, man, you know, hats off. We need, we need exactly. to, we need to respect these guys. We need absolutely. to have them. We will. And we, we absolutely will. And you've got to check out this two-part series. Yeah. But that being said, said we've got a great card coming up Sumesh we've got to wrap this end up quickly so run oh, us through the man. card so the main event of the card is in the light heavyweight division between Thiago Santos and Johnny Walker who's wow, making that's yeah, a good fight absolutely the co-main event in the middleweight division is Kevin Holland versus Kyle Dokos return of Holland I can't absolutely. wait to see the changes he's made and we also have the cowboy Alex Oravella taking on Nico Price. Man, that's going to be a good So man, these are the top, a great card. These are the top three fights that I would like to speak about. Very quickly, let's take our predictions, Mystic okay. Chips. I'm, I'm with Alex. Alex Oliveira, Nico Price. Alex. Alex Oliveira is a badass. Ooh. I've always loved the way he fights. I Me too. This. Me too. In the welterweight division, Alex Oliveira is the pick for Mystic Chips and Superhuman Camera. The yes, co-main event in the middleweight division, Kevin Holland versus Kyle Dakaos. <sighs> Man, you know, that's a good one. Dakos is coming off, uh, you know, both these fighters. You know, Holland had a tough run. He was yeah. being outgrappled by, I think, last was outgrappled by Derek Brunson. Derek Brunson. And uh, he had a rough fight. Let's see. Let's see what changes he's made. I'm still going to be supporting uh, Kevin Holland because just because he's super entertaining also. Wow. <laughs> that That is interesting. I am somehow kind of leaning more towards Kyle Darkhouse in this one. So oh, that's good. That's yeah. Good. So, you know, Mystic Chips in the middleweight division going, I mean, Mystic Chips is in the middleweight division. He just gained yes. some weight, but right now he's in a, he's going to be getting he's back coming, to the middleweight coming back, division. Coming back, coming back, coming back, coming back, coming <laughs> back. You know, so Kevin Holland for Mystic Chips and Superhuman Kamra goes for Kyle Darkhouse. But yes, sir. the main event of the evening is in a light heavyweight division between Thiago Santos and Johnny Walker. That's the thing, man. Maretta, dude, it's just, you know, he's such a brilliant fighter, but those knees, I think John Jones is, is partly responsible for those knee surgeries. Absolutely. Absolutely. And not partly, and probably fully also. <laughs> <laughs> but no, that was a great fight. Jones versus uh, Thiago Santos was a great fight because I remember Santos bringing the fight to Jones. Absolutely. Hurting really Jones a couple of times. He yeah. got the heat to Jones. 
he did. He really did. But after that, he's been on a bit of a skid. So, uh, and who's he facing off against? Sorry. Johnny Walker. Oh my God. Johnny Walker is this kid who's just, who's got literally nothing to lose. Comes there swinging for the fences. Well, you know, I can make one, but I don't know who's going to win, but somebody's going to get knocked out. <laughs> well, that's a great prediction. But Chips, if you just had to put your hand on one of these guys. What? Hey, don't Okay, Johnny Walker. <laughs> oh, no, I was going to say Johnny Walker. Okay, okay, you know we what? can agree. <laughs> you, know, you know what? Mystic Chips and Superhuman Kamra are going to go for Johnny Walker. So it's Alex Oliveira, uh, Kevin Holland for Chips, Kyle Duckhouse for Superhuman Kamra, and the both of us are on the same boat for the main event of the evening with Johnny Walker. Yes, so ladies, sir. Ladies and gentlemen, that gets us to the end of an exciting episode. It's a two-part series, so don't forget to tune in. We have the OG with us, Mr. Bobby Southworth himself. You guys have to, have to, have to tune in and also make your predictions to win some really exciting prizes. From yeah, even the a shout-out from Bobby, you know that? you can. You, we have his number now. Ooh, we can get, yeah, get shout-outs yeah, from yeah. Bobby. Yeah, Just so have to call you, Bobby and say, listen, Bro, this guy won. He's going to come back. He's going to talk to <laughs> us. So don't miss out. Always tag me and Sumesh Kamra on Instagram. It's me. It's, it's at Arjun Chips. And on Twitter, it's at The Mystic Chips. Awesome. Don't forget to tag me. Sumesh, go. You can catch me on Instagram on somesh.kamra and on Twitter, it's somesh underscore kamra. So tag us, hashtag us, log on to IVN for more exciting episodes. And we were so glad to see you today, but we're going to be seeing you tomorrow again with Bobby Southworth part two. See you on the other side. Take care, take safe, get your jabs done because this jab is not going to hurt. 